السلام علیکم ورحمۃ اللہ وبرکاتہ بسم اللہ الرحمن الرحیم دا نیم اللہ دا موسٹ گریشیس دا مرسفو پیس اینڈ بلیسنگس اف اللہ بی اپون یو آل یو آر جوائن بائی مائی سیلف چلیس خان اینڈ امام آسم ہاشمی وتھ دا پیس اینڈ بلیسنگس اف اللہ بی اپون یو امام آسم ہاؤ آر یو السلام علیکم پیس اینڈ بلیسنگس اف اللہ بی اپون یو ٹو ایم گڈ بائی دا گریس اف گاڈ اینڈ یو یس ایم بائی دا گریس اف اللہ ایم آلسو ویل تھینک یو فار آسکنگ You are joined by the both of us today on the Thursday Breakfast Show. Uh, most of you will probably know me from the Friday Breakfast Show. It is my honour, a privilege to be um, hosting uh, with yourself, uh, Imam Hasim. Indeed, um, yeah. It's I an honour to have you here. I hope I can uh, live up to the, the heights and the, the standards of um, our brother uh, Shahil, uh, Shahil Munir. Um, So definitely we'll try our best to make sure that you do not miss him too much and we'll try our best to carry on. Um, as usual, um, we have a packed show for everyone today, this morning. Uh, we have two main segments, um, as we usually do. The first one is actually about black holes and galaxies. We'll be joined by experts in the field regarding this matter. And the second segment will be about the promised reformer and his attributes as a leader. So we have a packed show for everyone this morning. I hope you can tune in. And as always, if you want to contact us, please do so. You are more than welcome to. Our Twitter handle or our X handle is at at Voice of Islam UK. And if you want to call us directly, then our number is 020-86-87-7878. I think we should delve into the news. Just before that, I shall go through the weather. Uh, today, it's heavy showery rain becomes confined to the southeast today along, alongside gusty and squally winds. Bright spells and blustery showers elsewhere. Wintry on the hills, north and west, colder for many. And as for tonight, northwest areas will continue to have blustery showers, wintry on the hills. It will become mainly dry and clear elsewhere briefly. However, more clouds and scattered showers move in later. Tomorrow, that's Friday, will be a breezy day with showers for the west. They will be wintry over the hills in the northwest, drier and brighter in the south and east early, but clouds and showers soon move into these areas. If we look towards Saturday to Monday, Saturday will see plenty of sunshine for many But far south and west will see showers and outbreaks of rain with snow over the hills. Breezy and cool. A cold start on Sunday. Bright and dry for much of the UK. But the northwest will continue to see showers and spells of rain. <coughs> Still wintry on high ground. Largely dry and cool on Monday. But coastal areas may see some showers. A lot of showers. Interesting. Just when I thought the weather is going to nah, get better. Just, no, don't nah. expect anything. Yeah. We do not expect It's anything. <laughs> We do not expect anything here. Um, yeah, mostly rain showers and yeah, quite quite drab. Yep. Yeah. <coughs> How's everything else, uh, Brother Awesome? Everything good? All good, all good, yeah. All good. Um, is there any pieces of news that kind of... Uh, Absolutely. There are quite few pieces. <coughs> the first one would be Russia struggling with supply of weapons and... Ammunition for Ukraine war, Western officials say. 
So Russia is struggling to provide ammunition and weapons for its war in Ukraine, according to the Western officials. It is facing extreme challenges in obtaining sufficient equipment and material, an official said. It comes as concern over the provision of Western weapons to Ukraine are mounting. As the war enters its third year, the supplies of ammunition, arms and manpower looks set to be critical factor. Uh, Russia's domestic ammunition and production capabilities are currently insufficient for meeting the need for the Ukraine conflict, a Western official claiming, saying Moscow has been able to increase its supply only by seeking out alternative sources of ammunition and weapons, which does not offer a long-term solution. They pointed to the impact of sanctions as one cause. Sanctions are hitting the Russian military-industrial complex hard, causing severe delays and increasing costs. And ability to access Western components is severely undermining Russia's production of new systems and repairs of old systems, with long-term consequences for the quality of weapons produced, they said. Uh, it also said that uh, Russia is now looking at other countries like um, uh, drones and missiles from Iran and mm. ammunition stocks from North Korea. Oh, wow. So this is what's happening in Russia. Yep. But th- these are according to <coughs> Western officials. Yep, yep, I completely understand. Um, if you stick to the West, if you go in particular <laughs> the UK, um, the, 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 the news that's doing the rounds at the moment is regarding Sir Lindsay Hoyle, who is the Speaker of the House of Commons. And he's the one, if, you, if, if for those who are not aware, he's the one kind of telling everyone to be quiet and listen to yeah. him and make sure everyone is having a say. So he, in fact, he he had a very interesting um, situation a few days ago. Um, the, during during the SNP opposition day, he went out and he started referring to the Labour amendments instead, and this enraged everyone because this broke tradition. Usually, when SNP or whichever day that they have the opposition day, there is their turn to present their um, kind of amendments and their um, uh, well, their the things that they would want to put forward in front of the House of Commons. And they put forward their um, immediate ceasefire proposal. And during this time, uh, Sir Hoyle, what he did was he presented the Labour amendments instead and said that we should look towards the humanitarian uh, ceasefire, uh, which the Labour Party proposed. Again, this this happened a few days ago. He did come out and apologise, but a lot of people want him to be removed. They want him to... Take a, take a step back from his role as the Speaker of House of Commons. Very, very interesting. Designate, yeah. Um, what, what else do you have, uh, brother? Um, interesting news is that Israel, Gaza. Mm. UK aid supplies airdropped into Gaza for the first time. So I think it's been like what, four, four months yeah. and UK just now wow. and dropped their aid into Gaza for the first time since war broke out after striking a deal with Jordan. So four tons of supplies, including medicine, food and fuel, were delivered (coughs) into the strip of Jordanian Air Force plane on Wednesday. Mm -hmm. Uh, Packages fitted with parachutes floated down to the hospital in North Gaza. Mm -hmm. UK Foreign Secretary David Cameron said the aid would save lives and keep the hospital running. So the UK has uh, until now only sent aid to Gaza by land and sea, but northern Gaza, a wasteland after nearly five months of war, 
is impossible to reach, they said. So the World mm. Food Program has suspended deliveries there because it convoys had endured complete chaos and violence, the organization said. So this is a heavy Israel military presence in the area and much of the population were forced south. Mm. However, an estimate of 300,000 Palestinians remain in northern Gaza with little food or water and the UN has warned for months of a looming famine there. Mm, yes, famine is, uh, as you said, looming over there. Um, so we pray for our brothers and sisters in Gaza. Yeah, it's very uh, sad. It's yeah. it's a lot of about 300,000 Palestinians in North Gaza with yeah. you know, little food and yeah. stuff. So yeah. we um, do hope that aid gets there. Absolutely, as absolutely. So I, um, I guess we should be thankful and grateful as well that um, be- better late than never I guess exactly yeah, yeah. Um, just sticking to the the Gaza um, stories I guess um, a few days ago there was a veto, veto proposal sorry not veto proposal it was a, a ceasefire proposal which was vetoed by uh, the US um, this was a, this was an Arab backed UN resolution demanding ceasefire in Gaza there was a 15 member security council 13 members um, they wanted the ceasefire to go ahead one abstained, which was the UK, and the main party, the US, they vetoed against this. And this um, this is not the first time, this has happened before as well. And uh, that, I think um, I speak with a lot of people, I think they would agree with me that we do need an immediate ceasefire um, for those um, who are absolutely being bombarded uh, in, in, in Gaza and Palestine. Um, Change of scenery, maybe. Um, if we go towards Muslim uh, Sub, maybe you have something else as well? Yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. So uh, another news is that major Alabama hospital poses IVF after court rules frozen employees are children. A ruling from the Alabama Supreme Court that frozen employees are considered children mm. and that the person could be held liable for accidentally destroying them has opened up a new front in the U.S. battle over reproductive medicine. So the southern U.S. state largest hospital has paused its intrafertilization, which is IVF, mm-hmm. service in the wake of decision over phase it could expose them to criminal prosecution. So the University of Alabama at Birmingham Health System said it would continue retrieving eggs from women's ovaries, but it said it would hold the next step into the IVF process in which the eggs are fertilized with sperm before being implanted into the uterus. We are saddened that this will impact our patients. Uh, attempt to have baby through IVF, the leading state medical provider said in a statement. But we must evaluate the potential that our patients and our physicians could be prosecuted criminally or face uh, punitive damages for the vol- following the standard care of IVF treatments. Medical experts and reproductive advocacy groups warned the ruling could be negative consequences for fertility treatment in Alabama and beyond. And conservative groups uh, welcomed the ruling, arguing that even the tiniest embryos deserve legal protection. <clears throat> Thank you so much for that. Um, I think uh, if, if, if you look towards, um, I think uh, I, I came across something well a few, a few days ago. This is common knowledge now as well. Um, the great uh, cyclist Sir Chris Hoy um, revealed that he was diagnosed with cancer last year. And I don't know if I don't know if you're aware, um Asim Sahib, uh, um, uh, brother Asim, 
Um, I am I'm from Scotland, and Sir Chris Hoy is also Scottish. So, oh, interesting. So growing up, I I, I had great pride uh, knowing that um, Sir Chris Hoy was Olympic champion. You know the the pride of of Britain at that time, but he was in, in honesty, he was pride of Scotland. Um, and he he also has a um, a, a cycling uh, dome, um, um, a cycling arena named after him as well in Scotland. So oh, he is yeah. um, a great hero of mine, uh, and I think uh, I speak for all Scots as well. A great hero for the Scots as well. Um, something really interesting I came across actually. Um, there's a couple that have um, a 63 year old relationship. They'll be married for 63 years. Um, and when they were asked about um, what is the secret for the relationship, what do you think it could be? Uh, their secret to their happy relationship, married for 63 years. It's quite a long time. So the secret could be anything. It could be anything. Yeah. Well, apparently, um, according to Mrs. Langley, so yeah. she says a husband that knows how to barbecue. <laughs> I did not expect that. <laughs> I did not expect that. I expected honesty. That's why I didn't want to say anything. Because <laughs> I knew it could be just something random. Give me something. <laughs> yeah, that's why I asked. I was like, "What, what could it be of all of all things?" Um, but yeah, somebody could barbecue. Interesting. She she must love barbecue. Barbecue. She must yeah. love food. Yes. Yeah. They, they must love food. I I like food as well. Yeah. I like food. Yeah. What's your favorite food? What What do you like to eat? Anything. 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 Yeah. Uh, traditional. Uh, uh, both. South Asian. Both. Both. both yeah. All right. Okay. From Chinese to Thai to okay. English okay. to okay. Italian to anything. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Mr. International, we've got here as well. It's good. Um, yeah. This. This is. I found it really interesting. Uh, Mr. Langley mentions that a good sense of humor also matters as well. So That's someone, interesting. Yeah, someone yeah. who can laugh, uh, laugh a little bit. So this is. Uh, this is very, very interesting. I thought, I found, I thought, I thought my. Well, I like that point. Make you laugh. So whenever uh, your wife's angry, just make yeah, a just nice make a joke and yeah, make a laugh. Yeah. Absolutely, that's it. You just get over it. That's all. That's all it takes, I guess. Um, good barbecue. I'm feeling hungry now. <laughs> so, um, yep. Yeah, I think. I think. Um, I don't know if you watched the match yesterday, last night, the Arsenal Porto one. Oh, I didn't know. I was devastated. I'm an Arsenal fan myself. Oh, you're an Arsenal fan? Yeah, oh. devastated. You, you, you guys are pretty really good, you know? We, we were until yeah. last night. <laughs> until last night. <laughs> uh, we lost 1-0 against Porto uh, in Portugal. And uh, it was a last minute goal. Literally last oh, minute. Oh, yes. It says 90 plus 4, but that's... Yeah. Yeah. Horrible, horrible that feeling. Is sad, yeah. Yeah, and uh, I, I, I kind of... I thought maybe if you get a draw, it'll be fine. The way that the game was running was very... It was, it was quite boring as well to be honest and last minute goal it just kind of uh, ruined everything for us um, the other game that Champions League that was happening last night was Barcelona and uh, Napoli which ended 1-1 um, are you are you are you a football fan? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So this was uh, first leg. I guess, I'm guessing, right? Yeah, first leg. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So still have a chance uh, to come back. Yeah. Yeah. At home in Arsenal. Uh, and, home with Emirates, but I'm surprised so. you guys had the full team. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we we had the strongest team possible, but I don't know. It was just uh, I don't know. It was, it's it was, probably just uh, one of those nights, you know. Yeah, so and we'll, they're probably playing all defense or something. Um, the Porto, no, Porto yeah. had a few good chances oh, as well. Okay. They they were trying to make some like a, f- a few chances, but they they held their own. Um, we didn't have any significant chance. Well, we had one significant chance where Trossard had an open chance. Yeah, we missed it. But I'm surprised Trossard's playing strike. Oh, he's he's playing very well in strike oh, uh, really? in the Premier League anyway. I think he scored, um, I think two goals uh, since the break, since the winter break. They went to Dubai, okay. had a little relaxation, little rest, and they came back. And then and they, you only had one sub. 
Jojita Kabigora, that's it. Yeah, no I, other I, subs. I wanted more subs. I wanted yeah, uh, Emil exactly. Smith Rowe maybe coming on. Someone, someone, you know, add a little bit of pace, something, something different yeah. to the to, to, to the match. So, unfortunately, we we did not make that's it. That's okay. Time. You still have the second leg. Think, yeah. Should be okay. Think, but Napoli yeah. Barcelona seems to be a really yeah tight game. You know. Yeah. Uh, Lewandowski did score. Yeah, yeah. That's that's okay. Yeah. We were watching it last night and uh, one of our friends suggested we should watch the Barcelona match instead because this is boring. <laughs> and I wish I did because I wasted 90 minutes watching this and we, lo- we lose last minute. So, um, uh, Brother Austin, which team do you support? I support uh, one of the greatest team that you must know. Man United? No, no, no. Oh, okay. Chelsea. No way. <laughs> no, I did not expect that. That's a curveball. I expected. I don't know. I, I thought you were a Man United fan. No, no, no. Oh, okay, please. Okay, okay. Okay. Please don't say that. <laughs> Chelsea, Joe, fair enough. So I've been a Chelsea yeah. fan for, what, 20 years? That's very yeah. good, very good. So when, yeah. I, when I moved to Chelsea from, from okay. the beginning, yeah. Okay, that's, that's, that's very good. Chelsea, they're on the up, I guess. Uh, the only way is up. You can't, yeah. you can't get any lower. You can't <laughs> get any lower, you're right. <laughs> it's okay, we got a new team um, trying to... <clears throat> play as a team which yeah. is important yeah. but yeah I guess good. well our brother Sile is a Liverpool fan uh, oh yeah obviously so yeah, 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 we yeah. had yeah. Uh, Liverpool and Luton yesterday in the oh, Premier yes, League we did, we did yes and it was 4-1 for Liverpool yeah even th- through the injury crisis yes, 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 y- yes. you had two injuries last match for them yeah. and, but that's still okay yeah, still scoring goals. I think, I think it's the prayers of brother Shahil. I think it is, and yeah. Salah is back as well. Yeah, so. Salah is back as well. Yeah. yeah, they've got a really strong team. They, they, they yeah, you can't you can't take them out. Very interesting season this uh, so far. Um, still a third to play, and uh, who do okay? This is, they, they are top at the moment. Yeah, even uh, the, the, the injuries. Yeah, and Arsenal second. I'm assuming. Uh, no, no, no. Man City is second, oh, and okay. Arsenal are second. It's just one point. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Yeah, difference. And then we have Aston Villa. They're, they're, they surprise us yeah, every season. They're a good team. They're, they're getting much better. Yeah, they're a yeah. good team. They've got a good manager. They've got a good team. Yeah, young, aspiring teams. Very good. Okay, the main question is who is going to win the Premier League? If we look at the situation now, I'm assuming it could be between City and Liverpool. So you know, Liverpool. Yeah. Arsenal not even in the picture at the moment. No, because even, I believe last year, they were like, Number one, yeah. but they just couldn't hold it the whole yeah. season. It's too difficult to hold it the whole yeah. season. It's, it's very a, difficult. Yeah. I think it's a mentality thing. It you know? is. Yeah. You have to have that mentality, winner mentality. It's a young team. And on the other hand, you got Klopp and Guardiola, so yeah, yeah. it's the, very difficult to beat that. That's very true. Even though I like him manager, he's he's very good. Yeah, but he of course yeah. needs a few years yeah, to like. Yeah. Um, okay, who, who's going to win the Champions League? Oh, that's a tough one, you know. We have uh, Bayern Munich, I was going to say, but they're really, really bad. Yeah, at the moment. Moment. They're, they're not they're, doing good either. Yeah. Uh, so the only team for me is Madrid left. Madrid, yes. Yeah. yes Madrid, Madrid or City. Yeah, I would City is s- strong. I would say the same. Yeah. There's no one that really, like, no one else that really stands out. I would say Bayern were in the mix, but yeah. right now it's a bit unsure. Yeah. But yeah, you're right. I think Man City and uh, Manchester City and uh, Arsenal. Sorry, not Arsenal. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> next year. Yeah, next year, next year. Maybe. <laughs> I mean, we could have some surprises, like, uh, yeah. I don't know, Barcelona. Yes. You never know. Yeah, that's true. They are, they are winning one nil, drawing 1-1, one, one, you know. They're yeah. not losing too many matches. But very, very anyone, to be honest. Yeah. No, definitely. Yes. Um, is there anything else? Any other news? Um, uh, sports news, maybe sports related that you have in your mind? Uh, oh, yes. Now you just mentioned, we do have 
the PSL, oh yes, uh, the cricket Goygod, which is uh, if people don't know, is the Pakistan Super League. Yes, uh, we are we are having two matches every single day. Mm-hmm. Uh, yesterday it was uh, Peshawar Zalmi versus Karachi Kings, and Karachi won by seven wickets. Mm-hmm. And uh, unfortunately, my team was playing as well, Lahore Kalandas. <laughs> my parents are from Lahore. Um, sorry, my dad's from Lahore. And yeah. They lost to Multan Sultan yeah. um, uh, by five wickets. Because okay. it was only one over left, and um, our brother, who's named as Chacha, is his nickname, if the Khalibad scored and did some fours and sixes and finished the match. So, yeah, yeah that was upsetting, but Uh-oh. it's okay. There's a lot of matches uh, okay. still going on. I see. We are having other cricket matches mm-hmm. like uh, New Zealand uh, Australia 2020. Mm-hmm. Uh, Australia won by six wickets yeah. yesterday. Uh, Sri Lanka and Afghanistan, mm-hmm. uh, which uh, Afghanistan won by three runs. Mm-hmm. So that was oh, th- it. Was interesting score actually. It was uh, 206 for six out uh, by uh, Sri Lanka, oh. which is a high score. Okay. And then uh, Afghanistan just actually finished it. On the last ball. Oh, wow. Yeah, on the last ball. And, but uh, I'm guessing they won by three runs, meaning someone did score a four yeah. or six. Um, so that was interesting. I think India and England? Is, is that coming up as well? I remember seeing that. Uh, uh, I'm not sure, to be honest. Okay. So maybe I'm mistaken. I think. Uh, I don't know why I thought India and uh, <laughs> India and England. Yes. India and England. It's yeah. starting. Um, it's actually starting tomorrow. Oh, wow. Okay. It's a test series. Yeah. Uh, the fourth test actually yeah. is uh, going to happen tomorrow. Okay. Yeah, I think that's going to be an interesting one to watch. Then um, we will take a short interlude, um, and then we will be back with our first topic, with our first segment, which is about galaxies and black holes. We will be joined by experts in this field, and we will delve further into this topic. But until then, we will meet shortly. The Holy Quran describes this phenomenon in two places. That is the one place where the black hole phenomena has been explained. In the old commentaries you will find the word Ratkan translated as a sort of nebula a cloud or smoky, large, huge, shapeless, smoky appearance. This is also correct. But the true meaning of Ratkan is exactly the opposite. And the Arabic dictionaries explain it as something so tightly sewed that nothing can escape. So, both these stages of universe which have been scientifically proved have been discussed, have been mentioned in the Holy Quran under the one single word. And it's the most beautiful thing about the Holy Quran that it has the maximum economy of words and uh, maximum meaning can be drawn, drawn from those words. So, Kanata Ratkan means the heaven and earth both were at one stage like a small ball with which the children play, which is sewn so tightly that nothing within can escape. And entirely everything is enclosed therein. And secondly it says that both the skies and heavens were in a state of nebula, 
to which we gave shape later on. So, fataq is also applicable to both these meanings of the word ratqan. Fataq means to break open suddenly. And fataq also means to make distinctions so that things precipitate and uh, appear to be distinct from each other. So, how beautiful language is the, is the language of Holy Quran that in one short sentence it explains the entire phenomena of creation. So, Ratkan is the thing which is uh, in one sense uh, the black hole. Because uh, the definition of black hole is this, that nothing can escape it. No radiation, no sound, no news. You're listening to the Voice of Islam Radio. Broadcasting on DAB and via the internet 24 hours a day. Welcome back, everyone, uh, to the Voice of Islam Breakfast Show. You are joined by myself, Jalees Khan, and our brother, Asim Hashmi. You just heard the Quranic reference or the Quranic point of view regarding the phenomenon of black holes, which was um, beautifully presented by our, um, or the fourth successor of the Ahmadi Muslim community. Very, very interesting, very, very deep concept that was mentioned by our uh, fourth caliph. We will now delve further into this point regarding black holes. I think the, the main gist of today's uh, d- discussion is regarding um, whether black holes existed at the dawn of time or were they at the same um, or w- were black holes is- existing at the same time as galaxy formations as well and uh, under new analysis of James Webb black holes not n- only existed at the dawn of time they birthed new stars and supercharged galaxy formation um, the discussion that we would like to kind of go towards, I mean, the question that we would like to present is what came first, as as as, uh, as it was mentioned, uh, black holes or galaxies, and how do we um, interact um, when they or um, interact when they coexist? Um, what would you say to this, uh, brother? So uh, the con- consensus among uh, you know astronomers is that black holes and galaxies uh, form around the same time, not strictly one before the other. Mm. Uh, the seeds of the supermassive black holes are thought to form early in the universe history, mm. growing simultaneously with the host galaxies through uh, accession of gas and uh, merger events. Yeah. Uh, also, uh, supermassive black holes uh, residing at the centers of galaxies play a crucial role in the evolution of those uh, galaxies. Mm. So the energy and jets emitted by the accession disk of a uh, black hole can regulate star formation in the galaxy by heating and dispersing the gas that would otherwise cool and collapse to form new stars. Mm. Um, the interaction is known as AGN, which is active galactic and nucleus. Mm. A feedback and is crucial for explaining the observed uh, relationship between the mass of the black hole 
other properties of the black bulge uh, suggesting a symbiotic uh, evolution. Mm, that's, that's, that's fascinating stuff, this. Um, and uh, what, I find, uh, what I find even more fascinating is that the Quran has also expounded upon this this, this point. Yeah. <clears throat> uh, that's, that's 1,400 years ago. And while, and while uh, speaking of the first creation of the universe, the, whole, the Holy Quran clearly describes its ending into yet another black hole, connecting the end to the beginning, thus completing the full circle of the story of cosmos. I find this very interesting, very, very um, enlightening that the Holy Quran 1,400 years ago has mentioned about this. You know, this, is, this, is, this is amazing stuff that I really, um, again, you know, very, very interesting, very, very intriguing. Um, the Quran declares that remember the day when we shall roll up the heavens like the rolling of uh, the rolling up of written scrolls. This is a clear message that the verse is that the universe is not eternal, is, is, is not eternal. Um, and in this verse, we can clearly see the end of of the universe will be due to gravity pulling all matter into a point of singularity. This is because it states we shall roll up the heavens like the rolling up of written scrolls by a scribe. And this this is a very similar visualization of a black hole. As when matter falls into a black hole, it orbits around the black hole just before falling in, and it looks like a scroll from the side. Furthermore, this may imply that the universe will return to a point of singularity as in a black hole. All matter is pulled towards a point of singularity that has almost infinite density. This verse also alludes to the bounce back of the universe, as it states, as we begin the first creation, so shall we repeat it. This may mean that the universe will be brought back and repeated just as the first creation was made. Therefore, there may be another universe after the death of this universe. I mean, this is all very, again, very interesting. And then I, I guess you can kind of say that's kind of hypothetical, but it kind of um, goes hand in hand with science as well. The Quran um, does go hand in hand with science. You know, it's, it's, it's very, very intriguing stuff. It is indeed, here, yeah. yeah. Um, again, I, I really find it fascinating when science and religion mix and they actually work hand in hand. Um, I also believe that um, the great scientist um, Albert Einstein, uh, he also mentioned that uh, science without religion um, doesn't doesn't make sense, and religion without science is boring. So it's it's as if there is it's, it's the practicality that you see in science that is also being foretold by religion, or as 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 is mentioned in the Quran. Um, apart from that, Sir Abdul Salam as well, um, the great scientist, Nobel Prize winner. Um, the, the the first uh, Pakistani Nobel Prize winner, the first Muslim, um, uh, uh, MD Muslim Nobel Prize winner as well. Um, he also um, um, had had uh, well, he's also mentioned the fact that uh, the 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 uh, all his uh, findings were from the Holy Quran. So this is very intriguing stuff. I believe that we do have um, Professor Daniel Mortlock on call right now and I think he can further uh, analyse this topic as well. Um, peace be upon you, uh, Professor Daniel. Um, are you? Can you hear me? I can, yep. Good uh, morning, everyone. Yep. Good, good morning. Peace and blessings of Allah be upon you. How, how are you doing this morning, uh, Professor? I'm doing fine, thank you. Got a cup of tea beside me, so... <laughs> well, thank you, uh, thank you so much for joining us this morning. Um, we really appreciate it, and hopefully, we can definitely um, kind of delve further into this topic. 
Um, if we if if we go to the the first question, I think um, I think I think we need this kind of uh, um, this kind of brief summary as well. If you can give us a brief summary as to how we currently understand the phenomena of black holes. Okay, so I think um, the way easiest way to sort of see that is to think about how black holes form, and start with a familiar object that is the sun that everyone knows about, even if we haven't seen it for a couple of weeks. And so that's a big ball of hydrogen gas that ordinarily would collapse under its own gravity, except for the fact that it's burning that hydrogen, which is producing heat and pressure that keeps it in balance and and means that it doesn't collapse. But eventually that hydrogen fuel will run out and then there'll be nothing to oppose uh, its gravitational pull on itself and it will collapse down. Uh, The sun itself won't end up as a black hole, but a star... Um, 10 or 100 times more massive, will eventually find that when its fuel has run out, there's nothing to stop that collapse, and the whole material of the star will collapse down to an infinitely small point, hmm. or at least we don't have any physics to, to say why that wouldn't happen. Yep. Um, so that's that's what you know the end point of a star's life. And then the question about you know why we call it a black hole is if you um, take account of the fact that, um, as Einstein uh, determined, I heard you mention him earlier, yep. uh, light is affected by gravity. So gravity pulls on light. And mm-hmm. so uh, another familiar concept, uh, maybe most obviously from um, rocketry and NASA, etc., is escape velocity. Mm-hmm. So to get a rocket off the Earth, you need to um, shoot it upwards at 11 kilometers a second. That's the escape velocity from the surface of the Earth. Mm-hmm. But if you've got you know 100 times the mass of the sun collapsed down to a point, there's going to be a region around that object where the escape velocity is faster than the speed of light. So even if you have light traveling at 300,000 kilometers a second, way faster than the escape velocity from Earth, Hmm. uh, it can't escape that region. And so there's a region around this collapsed star where nothing can get out, and that's why we think of it as like a hole in space and a black hole because um, no light gets out of it. Yes, of course. So that's our basic picture of of what a a black hole is. Hmm, I see, you understand. Thank you so much for that. Um, I think, as I mentioned before as well, uh, from previous research, it was thought that galaxies formed from black holes. Um, But with new information from the James Webb Telescope, scientists are starting to think that they interlink and each other's development simultaneously. Um, Is there any key link between the two? And uh, how do they influence the life cycle of one another? So I think when, when people first started to conceive of black holes and sort of the formation of the first objects in the early universe, it was kind of natural to, to think, uh, well, you know, round where we are here now in the Milky Way galaxy, we know black holes are formed from the collapse of stars and the galaxy is itself a collection of stars. So it kind of gave that picture that you would form a galaxy with stars in it and then those stars, as they ran out of fuel, would start to form uh, black holes. But it, I don't think it was a terribly strongly held held view about this because it was so mm. speculative that we were thinking about what happened, you know, 13 billion years ago with, with no data to back up any theory or, or conflict any theory. <laughs> uh, now the picture that we have is, um, yes, this sort of uh, very, very delicate balance to interplay between galaxies and in particular um, what we've discovered in the last sort of 30 or 40 years is that Every galaxy, every you know, big collection of stars like the Milky Way at its center has a single supermassive black hole, which is a, a great phrase. Um, all it means is it's exactly the same as the sort of stellar mass black hole I mentioned earlier. Mm-hmm. But rather than being 
say, maybe 10 times the mass of the sun. It can be up to 10 billion times the mass of the sun. So a really you know, awesome object. Mm-hmm. Um, and it turns out that there's this sort of quite tight relationship between uh, the number of stars in the central region of a galaxy and how massive the black hole is. And uh, I would say it's still not fully understood why there is such a tight relationship. But there are some at least plausible reasons. And, and one of them is that the only way that you get this supermassive black hole is by its absorbing material, basically um, absorbing stars in that local region. Mm-hmm. So the, that, that bulge uh, in the center of galaxies is, is the uh, fuel which feeds these black holes that grow up uh, to a billion solar masses. Mm-hmm. And um, some people might have seen there was a sort of a news story this week about a new paper that's come out about the discovery of um, uh, a black hole which weighs 17 billion times the mass of the sun, and mm-hmm. every day uh, a star the size of the sun is falling into it. So it's growing, growing mm-hmm. that rapidly. Mm-hmm. Well, that, that, thank you so much for that. Um, I also have my colleague uh, with me, Brother Asim. Um, I believe mm-hmm. he also has a few questions, if that's okay. Thank you very much, Professor, for explaining that. So my question is that in what ways have we been able to detect black holes and and their effect, basically, even including ones that uh, were formed in the past? Uh, so the first thing I'd say to that is that every black hole we've ever uh, detected or think we've found uh, was formed in the past because um, the, the finite speed of light uh, means that Every time we see a distant object in the universe, we're seeing it as it was in the past because the, the light travel time. So this, this is, uh, actually makes astronomy uh, much easier because it means we've got a way to look into the past and see how the, the universe was. Um, and it might seem strange to think of something that emits no light uh, and is just black, that you can even find it at all. But it turns out there's several different ways that, that we can find uh, black holes. Um, the most direct is that uh, we can now uh, image the material falling into the black hole. So the material that's just around the, uh, this event horizon, the region that light can't get out of. And something called the Event Horizon Telescope over the last couple of years uh, released these quite famous images that look uh, kind of look like orange donuts, to be honest. But it's, what that is is the, re- the material, the glowing material just around uh, the black hole, including the one at the center of our center of our own galaxy, uh, and then the other way that we've been able to detect them, particularly recently, is a completely new way of seeing the universe, which is in gravitational waves. And what that really is is uh, the ripples caused by gravity uh, that actually distort space-time by a very small amount. And it turns out that often we get a pair of stars, both of which have run out of fuel and they're a, a binary system and they're orbiting around each other and if you get two black holes like that eventually the orbit decays and they merge together and that gives off uh, a huge gravitational distortion uh, that we see with instruments like uh, LIGO and Virgo that monitor for these tiny fluctuations um, in space that these these gravitational waves and so in the last uh, I guess eight years since that was first detection was made, we've found uh, now hundreds of um, merging black holes like that. So that's our most direct way of detecting them, even if we're not really seeing them because it's not light. Very interesting indeed. So Professor, um, from your extensive research, 
What is it about black holes that interests or fascinates you most? Uh, well, many things that are probably too much to go into in a, a morning radio show. But um, uh, one thing that I think is particularly amazing uh, comes about from those that uh, that merging process that I just mentioned. So, in one of the one example of one of the first cases of this that was detected, you had two black holes that were orbiting around each other. Uh, one was about 29 times the mass of the sun, and one was. 36 times the mass of the sun. And in the space of a fraction of a second, they, when they sort of got in contact with each other, they merged and turned into a single black hole. And if you, if you do your sums, you'd say, oh, 29 plus 36, that's 65, so that will be how heavy the, the final result is. Uh, but it turns out that it's only 62 times the mass of the sun and three times the material of the entire sun in that fraction of a second uh, got converted into energy via E equals MC squared. So imagine, you know, the, we, the sun, the entire thing destroyed in a fraction of a second and turned just into ripples in space-time, these gravitational waves. And then those waves propagated out from that object for hundreds of millions of years and then hundreds of million years, years later, i.e. now, um, you know, mirrors in these detectors uh, that are made to detect this uh, moved back and forth by a million, million, millionth of a millimetre. And we were able to detect that and say, yes, 100 million years ago, those two black holes merged together. So I, I just think this is fabulous to the point of, you know, almost, you know, unbelievably amazing. Well, that Thank you so much for that, um, Professor. You know, really appreciate you answering all these questions and uh, you know, just shedding some light on this topic. Um, we are honestly novices at this as well, so I, th I think we really needed that. Um, I just out of curiosity, I, we, we do understand that you grew up in Australia um, mm -hmm. and, and, and now you are here in the UK and in, in, in England, um, yep. where you are a professor in the Imperial College. Um, That's right. You also are an avid fan of cricket, I see. And um, yes. so I, I would like to ask if Australia and England are playing mm -hmm. uh, cricket, who are you supporting? Uh, Australia all the way. Australia all the way. I, I would yeah, not have it any other way. <laughs> I would not have it any other way. Yeah, that's well, not, not changing. Yeah, that's that's really good to hear. Um, I'm probably an Australian fan as well now. Um, that, that, <laughs> th th thank you so much for your time, Professor. Um, really, really appreciate Pleasure. joining, uh, taking some time out for us. And uh, I, I know our uh, listeners will be very appreciative of this as well. So thank you so much for joining. Uh, have a great day. Uh, may the peace and blessings of Allah be upon you. Fabulous to talk to you. Likewise. Well, that was uh, Professor Daniel Mortlock. Um, he, as I said, he grew up in Australia, did an undergraduate in science degree and then a physics PhD at the University of Melbourne. Um, he then had research positions at the University of Cambridge and then Imperial College, where he is now a professor of astrophysics and statistics. Uh, Daniel's research, uh, or Professor Daniel's research interests are at the intersection of these two fields with a strong focus on astronomical data analysis, in particular, the search for rare objects. This includes the distant quasars and supermassive black holes seen as they appeared in the early universe. And uh, as, as, as we kind of touched upon right now, when he's not thinking about all of that, all about the universe and black holes and, and whatnot, he uh, likes to enjoy uh, playing cricket, tennis and the guitar.
Really nice man. I really like talking to um, Professor Daniel. Um, I do believe we have Dr. Kevin um, also on the line. Um, I think we should swiftly go to uh, Dr. Kevin. Dr. Kevin, can you hear me? Yeah, good morning. How are you? Good morning. Peace and blessings of love upon you. I'm very well. Thank you for asking. How are you? Good, thank you. Good. Thank you so much. Um, again, I think we should delve into this. I think I'm. I think we're on a, uh, on a roll right now, uh, learning about the universe, learning about uh, the cosmos. So um, I, th- I think we should get right into it. Um, if I ask you the first question, which would be, what do we know about the relation of black holes to galaxy evolution? Well, black holes and galaxy evolution are intimately entwined. You don't really have one without the other because at the heart of most big galaxies, there's a black hole. And that black hole is in what we would term a preferential position because at the center of the galaxy, it's where the gravitation is at the peak and it can be fed, so to speak. So when things get close to it, it forms an accretion disk around the black hole and that encourages black hole growth. So in effect, all the material that's around it starts feeding it and it grows and grows. And in turn, the galaxy is also producing stars from the same gas that is feeding the black hole. So we don't really get one without the other usually, but I, I think you're going to ask me the next question soon, which kind of uh, breaks that <laughs> paradigm, I think. Yeah, uh, yeah. I, I think we should go to the next one. Then. Is there any key evidence or indicator that one forms first? Well, this is a really classic question. Which yeah. came first, the black hole or the galaxy? Yeah. And people have been looking at this for many, many years, but there's some recent really exciting evidence that's come out of the JWST telescope that's, uh, that was launched quite recently in the past few years. Mm-hmm. What they've seen is at really, really high distances away from us, there's these galaxies that are really bright, really, really bright for the distance they are away. So they're they're forming loads and loads of stars so quickly. And there's a real question there as to how they're, they're actually forming so many stars given it was so early on in the universe. Yeah. And it's it's a bit of a mystery. One way in which we could potentially resolve that mystery is to hypothesize that there were big black holes early on in the universe. Now, how would that help? Well, if we have big black holes early on in the universe, they act like um, like seeds, like seeds for galaxy evolution. Because if we've got the black holes, they provide that gravitational attraction in order to form stars. Mm-hmm. And so the, the idea then is that we get these black holes, that they formed early, the stars form around them. There's, there's a bit of uh, what's called positive feedback going on, whereby the... Uh, the output of the black holes, we get sort of these uh, jets coming off black holes. They mm-hmm. crush the cold gas in front of them, and that encourages more star formation to happen. Mm-hmm. And this is what uh, Professor Silk and his colleagues were proposing a little mm-hmm. bit earlier on in the month, which uh, raises the whole question as to what came first, the black hole or the galaxy. Mm-hmm. But in order to explain the existence observationally of these uh, you know, high redshift, really prodigious star formers, then we, we've got to say, well, maybe there's a big black hole early on. Mm-hmm. 
Mm. And so then it becomes another question: what what caused that black hole really yeah. early on? Yeah. And there's there's maybe two answers to that, maybe three. Um, the first answer: they they might just be primordial black holes mm. from the Big Bang, mm-hmm. or they might be resultant from uh, massive stars uh, in the very, very early universe that went supernova and produced black holes. Mm-hmm. Now, there's no real observational test of that uh, on the cards at the moment because mm-hmm. uh, it's just too far away to determine. But one of yeah. those two is, is probably going to be right. I understand. Th- th- thank you so much for that. Thank you so much for shedding some light on that. Um, very, very detailed and uh, yeah, very comp- complicated as well, I think. Um, uh, I also have my uh, my, my colleague, uh, brother Asim, over here. Um, I hope it's okay if he's got a few questions for you as well. Yeah, perfect. Thank you, Dr. Kevin. Uh, so my question is that uh, what are the uh, possible ways in which we can observe phenomena in the universe, uh, such as black holes, and also measure the effects on matter around them? Yeah, that's a great question. I think the problem is, of course, with black holes, um, well, they're black, and they they don't interact except by gravitation. And so to answer your question, we detect them because of their gravitational effects. So we can look at orbits, for instance, around them and infer their existence. So we have a look at the center of the Milky Way, our own galaxy in which we live. We can certainly see stars whizzing around the center at tremendous speeds that can only be explained if there's a black hole in the center of the Milky Way. The other way we can have a look at it is through the accretion disk in some galaxies because they produce massive amount of light output because of friction along the accretion disk. And we can see that for such a long distance away. So we we can observe them indirectly through gravitation and through the accretion disks that we see around them and the jets that they sometimes have switched on. We see that at optical infrared, radio wavelengths, X-ray wavelengths, and so on. Very interesting. Um, So uh, my last question is that how will an understanding of the black hole and galaxy formation contribute in benefit to cosmology and astrophysics? It's another really good question. And indeed, if we understand black holes, we can get a better grasp on cosmology. So Mm -hmm. when I answered the earlier question about the idea of primordial black holes, if we're able to resolve that, then we'll know what's going on in the very, very earliest phases of the universe. But more than that, we will be able to determine how the universe itself evolves from the very earliest of times right up to the present day. And galaxy evolution is intimately entwined with black hole evolution. But we don't have all the details. We know roughly how it works. We can make a sketch and say, you know, galaxies grow at the same pace that black holes grow. But the details are a little bit elusive at the moment. And so if we're able to shed some proverbial light on that, it'll hopefully be able to uh, tell us a lot more about not only cosmology, but the evolution of the entire universe over time. Thank you so much, Professor. Uh, sorry, thank you so much, Doctor Kevin, for uh, for uh, for um, shedding some light on that. Um, as you say, no the, the proverbial light as well. Uh, thank you so much for that. Um, again, uh, thank you so much for taking some time out and shedding some light on this. Um, we we hope and we pray that you have a great day, and um, may peace and blessings of Allah be upon you. Thank you so much. It's been a pleasure. Thank you so much. Thank you.
Oh, that was um, very, again, very, very fascinating. That was, if I'm not mistaken, Dr. Kevin, uh, not Professor Kevin, Dr. Kevin. Um, uh, Dr. Kevin Pimblett uh, obtained his PhD in astrophysics from the University of Durham. And he went on to hold positions at the University of Queensland, which is in Australia, uh, Montreal University, which is also in Australia, um, a sabbatical at Oxford University, and is currently at the University of Hull. He is known for his work in galaxy evolution, the large scale structure of the universe and observational cosmology. He is currently the director of Indisciplinary Centre of Excellence uh, for Data Science, Artificial Intelligence and Modelling at the University of Hull. Very, very, um, very, very learned man, and I'm, I'm really appreciative of him taking some time out and uh, sh- shedding some light on these questions. Um, we had amazing callers this morning, didn't we? Absolutely, uh, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, really, really interesting stuff that they went through, um, and yeah, um, uh, I, I believe that we will be counting down the time towards uh, the eight o'clock news. And then after that, we will be joined by another guest as well, uh, Dr. Iqbal, if I'm not mistaken. And he will also be shedding some light on this because I do believe this is something very, very interesting um, and uh, d- d- definitely needs um, more explanation, uh, more explanation that we can give um, uh, anyway. Um, but in the meantime, we will be taking a short interlude. Um, and until then, we will be joining you after the news. Welcome back to breakfast show it is currently two minutes past eight you're joined by myself Jalees Khan and Imam Asim Hashmi we were discussing black holes and galaxies and the cosmos when you were learning more delving deeper and deeper into this topic Um, again if you have anything anything at all to ask we have experts we are very fortunate to be joined by these experts this morning Um, please give us a Give us a ring or let us know if you have any questions. Our X hander or Twitter handle, as it used to be known, is at Voice of Islam UK. And if you want to give us a call, you can always call us on 020 8687 7878. We are, again, as I mentioned, we are, we, we are fortunate enough to be joined by great experts in the field of the cosmos, of galaxies and black holes and we are joined by Dr. Muhammad Iqbal. Um, peace and blessings of uh, Allah be upon you, uh, Dr. Iqbal. How are you? Assalamu alaikum. Alhamdulillah. I'm fine. Thank you for having me. Well, thank you for joining us this I'll morning. Say I'm an expert in cosmology, but inshallah, I will continue. No, I, I, well, you have more knowledge than us. Um, I can, I can, well, no, more knowledge than me. At, uh, anyway, I can, I can say that for sure. And oh, yeah. uh, again, um, I'm, 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 I'm interested in learning more and more. We've had uh, uh, Professor Daniel. Um, Mortlock, and we've also had uh, Dr. Kevin Pimblett, um, kind of shining a light. Excellent. They're real experts. Yeah, yeah, yeah no, they're very good. I, 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 th- I think you are um, nothing less. I, th- I think you were, you are up there as well, uh, Dr. Iqbal. Just in science, so appreciated. Thank you. Yes, absolutely, absolutely. No, absolutely. I think, I, th- I think we will delve into this, um, this, uh, the, the, the questions. And the first question I have for you is: What is our current understanding of black holes, uh, accompanied? by the new scientific discoveries about them by the James Webb Telescope. 
Well, uh, black holes are probably the most fascinating um, sort of discovery and interest in modern physics. I don't know if um, you've covered with your guests the importance of the James Webb uh, Telescope. Uh, Because we have to differentiate what Hubble was able to tell us and how other telescopes and how important this. uh, uh, Have we covered that or do we need to cover what the James Webb Telescope is? How do you feel? I think that's important. Hello? Yes, yes, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I I mean, I think uh, for listeners, it's important to know James Webb is the latest and the most important telescope that's throwing up so much. It was launched in uh, 2021, and it's, you know, pictures started coming through in 2022, and they have, they are virtually revolutionizing our thinking on science, and that's the that's yeah. the thing that God Almighty, you know, we're going to talk about the Holy Quran as well later on. Yeah. It says that, you know, look and look again and you'll be dissolved. Every time scientists say, oh, we've got to the bottom of this. Mm-hmm. Oh, we've got to the bottom of this yeah. and we know. And we never seem to know. Yeah. And one of the interesting things is, you know, our uh, telescopy, ground-based telescopes had their limitation because of the atmosphere. Then Hubble was launched in 1990 and that gave us an amazing picture of the universe and mm. you know a little bit about black holes etc but james webb has told us so much more both about the universe big bang but also black holes as well mm. so i suppose just to cover the black holes off first and then we can look at what it's saying about the because they're they're, they're related really mm-hmm. now there are lots of black holes virtually you know there's a major black hole at the center of all major galaxies and that's why it gives them that spiral uh, form because black holes are really uh, enormous, enormous masses, um, and these are based largely because of stars that collapse on themselves and they suck in everything. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't include surrounding planets, etc. It includes light itself that nothing can escape from those black holes. And that's why at the center of each black hole is what is known as a singularity. Mm. And science has got no idea, really, what is going on at that singularity level. What we see outside is that um, disk, which is the event horizon, where, you know, the light is trying to escape, and you see that disk, and that's as much as our modern physics can tell us as what could possibly be going on in there. Mm. But there are lots and lots of black, even in galaxies there are lots of, so there are lots of small black holes that mm. can merge uh, and as I say from, say, in physics, they are probably the most interesting things because they really point to the most important understanding we need about the universe, about space and time. You know, we, we, we know there are stars, there are galaxies, there are planets and all that. These are all made out of matter that we have but everything came out of space-time uh, you know space was mm-hmm. created for the universe that to be seen time was created and they are linked together as space-time as we know them mm-hmm. but in the singularity space disappears in a sense and time also uh, um, you know is deformed and changed etc and we don't know, and that's why modern thinkers are trying to merge the general relativity theory of Einstein and quantum theory of physics, you know, the grand unified theory, and Professor Salam was involved in that. Yeah. And that's where you merge the four fundamental forces of nature, um, the, the weak electromagnetic, which Professor Salam and uh, Weinberg and others uh, merged together into one force. 
then the strong nuclear force, which you know keeps the atoms etc together etc and then gravity and when you merge them uh, in eventually you merge them with gravity and super gravity and that basically is when it, things collapse and we don't know what happens beyond that mm-hmm. so that's about black holes that they in a sense uh, but ultimately the universe is believed to come out of a singularity as well a sort of mm-hmm. a black hole as the quran describes yeah. a closed up mass yep. So it's all related, you can see, the whole coming of the universe, whether it get it at the beginning, i.e. a Big Bang that we know of. And um, experimental sciences over the last century have confirmed that, yes, they seem to have been the beginning. But And that also gave the age of the universe of around 13.8 billion. But what James Webb Telescope is showing us now, yeah. there are the galaxies that are older than the Big Bang time, you know, oh, 13.4 billion. Uh, how can that be? It doesn't make sense. Yeah. So the theories are being thrown upside down that, look, either the universe is much older than 13.8 billion, yeah. or there is just other explanations. And it's absolutely fascinating what's actually going on uh, at the moment. Uh, and there are people obviously talking about, you know, um, many universes existing as well. And, you know, we can't even grasp the universe we live in, never yeah. mind other universes. We can't even grasp our own Milky Way at the yeah. moment. You know, we, we've got difficulties trying to go out uh, our solar system uh, in different parts. Uh, hopefully Elon Musk will take us to Mars one day. But, uh, you know, there's just, the universe is just, uh, it's just vast and there's yeah. just so much more to learn. Yeah. No, I, I can see the passion and the love you have for the universe and how it Oh, connects. God, it's just amazing, honest to God. Yeah. I, I tell you, science is just, an amazing subject, absolutely love. I'm a biologist by background, but mm-hmm. I love cosmology. It's just an amazing thing because it's yeah. about life, yeah. how life came into being, and how all the elements were created for life to exist, and they all came out of the stars. Mm-hmm. Awesome. I, I, honestly, fascinating stuff um, you're, you're mentioning and you're throwing out there. Just out of curiosity, it's a bit of a side note. Um, it's, it's got to do with black holes, but you mentioned that black holes merge. Um, they, can, they, they can merge and they can kind of unite and kind of form. Um, yeah, bigger and bigger black holes. So there yeah. are some uh, black holes that virtually gobble up a, a star a day sort of thing, you know, mm-hmm. in cosmological times. So can you imagine? And they are so enormous. Uh, you know, our, our black hole at the center of our Milky Way galaxy is very small relatively, apparently, and there are much bigger black holes. But eventually they will merge. And mm-hmm. you know, Stephen Hawking um, also predicted that black holes can actually disappear as well because we don't know enough about what goes on in the singularity in the actual center of the black hole Mm -hmm. but at the event horizon there's an exchange of particles all the time and uh, they have enough escape velocity to it and they take the energy from the inner part of the black hole these particles Mm -hmm. that escape out so what he predicted was that if they steal enough energy from the center of the black hole, eventually the black hole dries up and it disappears, and who knows? And then there's the view that, you know, you can have wormholes around, because of the vastness of the universe, there's no way, even if we have the most powerful engines, star Mm -hmm. travel, galaxy travel, is impossible in our current thinking. Mm -hmm. But, you know, who knows? God knows. You know, at one stage, we couldn't... uh, uh, it would take us years to get to one place to another in our sailing ships. Mm-hmm. 
and now look, you know, uh, our sailing ships are so fast, our jet planes are so fast, etc. Yeah. So who, who knows? But wormholes apparently are also associated with black holes. Mm. Who knows? You know what what could happen? We just don't, we just don't know enough, and that's what makes yeah. it so fascinating. Yeah. And youngsters listening, you know, I mean, they would love it. Yeah. I'm not a good mathematician, but at the centre of all this, of course, is mathematics as well, which yeah. Professor Salam was a absolute genius at. Mm-hmm. No, it's exciting stuff, honestly, exciting stuff, a lot to look forward to as well. Um, my next question that I would want to pose is that, is the black hole itself an end to the matter that goes into it, or um, is it a phenomena uh, which can lead to further occurrences in terms of creation into merger or energy? Well, this is where the biggest discussion is taking place. So matter that comes close to it and that's, you know, on the event horizon, it's sort of, uh, you know, shooting off because these are rotational bodies as well. And as matter gets sucked in, if it goes into the center, we haven't got a clue what happens to it really um, because the laws of physics just totally break down, space-time, you know, breaks down, etc. But if they're on the event horizon, there may be a escape of particles, etc. But essentially, the black hole just tears everybody up into minute particles, and then it's they are emitted out as radiation, uh, you know, uh, outside again. Mm. And um, there's, there's a question of you know uh, how long the black hole will uh, last and what happens to that radiation as it's emitted from one end uh, to the other. We we just don't know um, mm. enough uh, at, at the moment. So uh, mm. um, a, a lot of unknowns. I must say, you know, Professor Brian uh, Cox, mm. uh, who, who's one of the top scientists at the moment, certainly in terms of presentation of science to the public, yeah. He's made some fantastic videos. I would recommend people to go onto YouTube and watch some of his videos. He explains them in an incredible manner. And by the way, there's an Iranian scientist who's a glo- you know globally one of the top in terms of quantum physics and what's mm. going on and trying to explain space time and what's going on. So 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 many scientists really contributing. But but our whole picture of the universe is changing all the time. Yeah. Um, but one thing that will always remain is that was there a beginning or has the universe been infinite? Hmm. In the early 19th century, everybody went to the idea that it's an infinite universe, that it didn't have a beginning and end. And I think when we look at the Quran and from a religious point of view, it's pretty clear that no, there was a beginning because mm-hmm. only God is you know, everlasting, mm-hmm. ever-living, etc., that, uh, you know, he lives outside our current space-time outside. You mm-hmm. know, it's God himself. And so from there, from an Islamic point of view, um, you know, the scientists will uh, have to explain their mathematical models and physics models, etc., whether yeah. there was a beginning or not. Yeah. But the other scientists are desperately trying to explain because they will have a philosophical bias and a personal bias in their models to think that, no, the universe may still be infinite. But early on in the 20th century, that argument was closed that, no, the Big Bang said there was a beginning. Mm -hmm. But because uh, James Webb is throwing up so much new data that's confusing everybody, Mm -hmm. there'll there'll just need to be a new physics, a new interpretation. Yeah, of course. I think if we, I think you kind of refer to the religious aspect, if we stick onto that topic, and if I I, I pass you, or if I request my brother um, Asim as well, I believe he has some questions for you as well, Dr. Iqbal, if that's okay. Yeah, sure, no worries. Um, So my, uh, my question was going to be, uh, what does the Holy Quran say about the origin of the universe and the creation of all the galaxies, if you have to add anything in that? 
But to be honest, it's such an important uh, thing for young Muslims in particular, because those who are growing up in schools, in universities, etc., will be told that, you know, religions are based on mythology and they don't conform to scientific thinking, etc. The holy book is one of the most interesting holy books in that it's got more on cosmology, science, discoveries, etc., than any other book and in any other areas, you know, so that's important for us as Muslims to understand nature, how it came about, etc. And the Holy Quran then throughout the book, it doesn't, it's not like Genesis, you know, going in the beginning, da, 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 and goes day by day. It goes in different chapters and gives you clues throughout and you put that jigsaw together to form the picture of the universe. And so there are clear verses that say that, look, you know, in the beginning, there was nothing virtually. God created everything and he created, in a sense, a big bang out of a singularity, out of a closed up mass that was opened up. Then God says it was created in periods, not the days as the Genesis talks about, one day, two day, and as the Mullahs, the Mulvis talk about. It talks about periods, because period is about time. It's about space, you know, space and time. Um, we we determine time based on the you know rising and setting of uh, um, the, the the sun etc. Yeah, our 24 hour clock. Hmm. Well, if there was no sun, how how do we define time? But if there was no beginning, how do we define time? Hmm. You know. So these things all become very very important. So the Quran says that you know one of your days could be equivalent to 50,000 uh, days, but hmm. one period. Another could be 500,000. So it's all about different periods, and God says when he wants a thing to be, he just says be, which means that there is an original creation event, Mm. then there's the next one, then there's the next one. And in the whole picture of creation, it says that there was a bang, then there was an inflationary part of the universe, and Mm. that is so crucial for Mm. it to have happened. And then the continuous expansion and the types of galaxies, you know, simple galaxies, simple stars, complex galaxies, life-forming galaxies, and so and so. So the Holy Quran gives you throughout the chapter, step by step, all the different things of how the creative process took place, and it's fascinating. Hmm. It is indeed. Thank you very much for explaining that. So, Doctor, uh, how can we understand the amazing observation that the Quran revealed all this knowledge 1,400 years ago, which science is now discovering and proving correct? This is very important, again, as I say, for our youngsters living in the Western world, because, as I say, they try to put religion and religious people down by saying it's mythology. And one of the things you have to ask, then, your teachers, lecturers, and others who, you know, atheist friends, is is how come an unlettered person, because the Holy Prophet was not an educated person by any standard, but he was the best human being for God Almighty to communicate with and send as the prophet for mankind. How come he conveyed knowledge through the holy book that stated about embryology, that stated mm-hmm. about the origins of the universe, that stated about you know different aspects of health, nature, animals, um, star formation, you, you name it. And all these over 1,400 years ago, when there was no Einsteins, no Newtons, no Galileos, no great Ibnesinas, etc. Mm-hmm. at that stage, right? Uh, just in the desert, all this revelation was made. And in a sense, that then answers the question that this has to be from a creative Lord who is Lord of the world, who has knowledge mm. of all things. And only he could communicate this to a human being who then conveyed it and got it written into a holy book. Mm. The rest is up to, of course, every human being to experiment, to test and to find out what the truth is. And that's the challenge for our scientists. Mm. 
Well, th- th- thank you so much for shedding uh, light upon that. I, I um, uh, Dr. Iqbal, if, 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 if I may, I, I really wanted to ask, uh, the, the Quran mentions about, um, well, it kind of touches upon black holes when it mentions about the scrolling um, of the scroll, uh, oh, sorry, uh, rolling up of the scrolls. Um, yeah, yeah. Is that is that is that kind of interpretation really far fetched for scientists? No, to no, believe? absolutely. So when you actually look at what happens in a black hole, mm-hmm. it's exactly in the form of a scroll rolled up. Oh, wow. So if you look at the uh, pictures, right, you've got in the center the black hole itself, the singularity, which, which you, you know mm. you. But outside it is all the event horizons and the light being emitted mm. like a streak going mm. out from two ends. Mm-hmm. And that looks exactly like a scroll. Oh, wow. That's the beauty of it. It's yeah. just, when you say, well, 1400 years ago, how yeah. could somebody describe that? Definitely. It's absolutely amazing. It's beautiful. Yeah. To be honest with you, that, that was why I became so passionate in Ambedita. I'm a scientist by background. Yeah. My, my my road to Ahmadiyat and my conviction and belief was through science, not by what oh, wow. lectures people gave me about other things. Science is absolutely beautiful. As Einstein used to say, you know, um, science without religion is lame and, uh, you know, religion without uh, science is blind. Yeah. So no, definitely, yes. Saying. No. It's a beautiful saying. And Professor Salam showed us so much, so we've got guiding lights, thankfully, yeah. you know, in our own culture uh, as one of the top scientists in the world. Yeah. Uh, uh, so got great role models. No, it's very true. Is that uh, is that a Bradford accent that I sense right there? It is. It is a Bradford accent. Yeah, your living history. Uh, I'll, I'll plug my I'll plug my show as well. So uh, please do listen on Voice of Islam. <laughs> no, it's, it's great having you, Doctor. Well, honestly, um, a fellow Northerner. Uh, uh, um, it's really good to have you as well. Uh, Pleasure. Um, so again, yeah, thank you so much for taking your time out. And honestly, it's been a pleasure. Uh, loved every single second of it. You know, really, to you know, um, we had an amazing guests today, and you were one of them as well. And we can definitely sense your passion and your love thank for you. the sciences. Um, uh, definitely, yes. So thank you so much for taking your time out. Um, My pleasure. May the Good pe- luck. Thank you very much. Thank Have you. a nice remaining day. You too. You too. May the peace, peace, and blessings of Allah be upon you. Well, pleasant, pleasant interview. Uh, amazing. Yes, definitely. Um, if, if, if I just kind of quickly go through um, who Dr. Iqbal is, is a Dr. Muhammad Iqbal, a producer and host of Living History on Voice of Islam Radio. Um, that's that's why he was trying to plug his show at the end. Um, and uh, also, apart from that, Dr. Iqbal is a retired pharmaceutical management professional who has a deep interest in history, religion and geopolitics and lives in Bradford, West New Yorkshire. Um, again, great interview. Um, uh, great man. And it kind of really opened, um, I think I think all the, the guests that we had really opened our eyes. Absolutely. Towards, uh, all the guests were really amazing. Yeah, yeah. Really, really good. Really pleasant to have all of them on for the breakfast show this morning. Um, I think just to kind of wrap up this kind of uh, yeah yeah just just to wrap up all this um, this kind of segment uh, in terms of the cosmos and black holes, we actually have um, a short um, a short uh, uh, speech or short uh, answers uh, answer to a question by the fourth caliph of the Ahmadi Muslim community, and I think that will just wrap up this segment, and then we will be joining you back shortly, touching upon the next topic, which is regarding the promised reformer, who is the second caliph of the Ahmadi Muslim community, and his um, sense of leadership and him as a leader. Um, Please do stay tuned for that. But in the time being, we'll be concluding this topic of the phenomena of black holes and the cosmos. 
the Holy Quran describes this phenomena in two places. Kanata samavatu wal nardo ratkhan pafatak nama. That is the one place where the black hole phenomena has been explained. In the old commentaries, you will find the word ratkhan translated as uh, a sort of nebula, a cloud or smoky, large, huge, shapeless, smoky appearance. This is also correct. But the true meaning of ratkhan is exactly the opposite. And the Arabic dictionaries explain it as something so tightly sewed that nothing can escape. So, both these stages of universe which have been scientifically proved have been discussed, have been mentioned in the Holy Quran under the one single word. And the most beautiful thing about the Holy Quran that it has the maximum economy of words and uh, maximum meaning can be drawn, drawn from those words. So, Kanata Ratkan means the heaven and earth both were at one stage like a small ball with which the children play, which is sewn so tightly that nothing within can escape. And entirely everything is enclosed therein. And secondly it says the both the skies and heavens were in a state of nebula to which we gave shape later on. So fatak is also applicable to both these meanings of the word ratkan. Fatak means to break open suddenly. And fatak also means to make distinctions so that things precipitate and uh, appear to be distinct from each other. So how beautiful language is the, is the language of Holy Quran that in one short sentence it explains the entire phenomena of creation. So Ratkan is the thing which is uh, in one sense uh, the black hole because uh, the definition of black hole is this that nothing can escape it. No radiation, no sound, no news. You're listening to the Voice of Islam Radio. Broadcasting on DAB and via the internet 24 hours a day. Welcome back, listeners, to the Thursday Breakfast Show. The current time is 8.27. We are fast approaching 9 o'clock, very close to the end of the show. Um, Our segment concluded um, with... Um, with the answering of the question and in reference to the Holy Quran and black holes and this was done by the fourth caliph Hazrat Mirza Tahir Ahmad may may Allah be pleased with him Um, may Allah have mercy on him Um, uh, beautifully uh, expounding upon the Holy Quran and um, the revelations uh, regarding (coughs) or the revelation regarding um, the black holes so now we have concluded that topic, we swiftly move on to the next segment, which is regarding 
the promised reformer, unveiling visionary and inspiring leadership. And uh, just to go through the gist of this topic, um, in this segment we'll be discussing the remarkable character of the promised reformer. Uh, from a young age to leadership, his valuable lessons and wise words serve as a guidance for us to instill a high moral standard in ourselves. With his firm faith, despite great opposition, remaining an example for us all. We were actually joined. Actually, we have a we have a, a pre-recording. Yeah, we we were actually um, had the opportunity to interview um, Dr. Atawal Kadus. Um, respected uh, Dr. Atawal Kadus, um, and uh, just his his kind of uh, view um, regarding the leadership of Hazrat uh, Muslih Maud, who is the promised reformer, and uh, he had very interesting things to say. So, Dr. Abdul, uh, sorry, Dr. Um, Abdul Kadus, uh, respected Dr. Abdul Kadus, is a lecturer. Um, sorry, Ataul, uh, uh, respected uh, Dr. Ataul Kadus, um, is a lecturer at the University of Surrey. Um, and he's working on the next generation of mobile cellular systems. And uh, this is exactly what he had to say regarding leadership and the promised reformer. In the name of Allah, the most gracious, ever merciful, dear listeners, I'm actually very delighted to have with me Atal Gudus. And uh, as you know, we're talking about the second caliph of the Ahmadi Muslim community, also known as the promised reformer Muslimot. And the listeners, he, he was not just a caliph, he was a leader as well. And today, as I said, we have Atal Kudus, who is working as the Naibami of the UK community here. So Atal Kudus, assalamu alaikum and welcome to the Breakfast Show. Wa alaikum very kind of you. As I said, um, we're talking about the second caliph. And uh, when we discuss his life, we see that from a young age on, he was a leader. Yeah. Right? He led with example. And people, even from in the West, were very inspired. Even the enemy, to be honest, they were inspired as well by his skills he had. Um, especially about leadership. I just want to know, how do you define leadership? Yeah. I think leadership is, uh, as far as uh, the definition is concerned, I would suggest that let's start from, uh, go back a little and start mm-hmm. the promised Messiah and the Sato himself. Because in his one of his books, he has defined uh, what a leader should be like. I think there's a book called The Need for Imam, so in which he defined the key attributes or qualities a leader must possess. And these are not only related to our spiritual leader, but I think in my understanding these also are also applicable to the worldly leaders as well. So the five qualities, Huzur, as the Masih has mentioned, are a uh, leader must have to have a moral strength. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, he or she, well, and, well and, uh, in, in the context of the uh, Arjumat or community, we can say that the leader must have uh, the eagerness to excel in good deeds. Uh, he must possess immense knowledge, uh, extraordinary knowledge and as well as he must possess high resolve and reliance upon God. So when a leader possesses all these five qualities, I think that leader can, uh, can also be a very good leader as far as even the worldly uh, matters mm. are concerned. I mean, this is, why you, uh, this is very beautiful because you said even worldly matters which are concerned, he can basically lead them as well. And again, yes. I mean... And we can see all of them, uh, all of them in the life of the, uh, the Muslim Muslim, the second caliph of the Muslim community. Okay, so yes. coming back then to the second caliph, that um, because uh, I w- I'm sure the youngster, especially the youngster, would like to know that if you can just provide three examples 
yes. where the second caliph demonstrated leadership. Yes. So I think one th- example I can think of is, uh, you know, currently these days there's a hot issue of uh, Israel-Palestine conflict. Mm-hmm. So in in the context of this one, I think back in the 1920s and even early 30s, the Muslim Ozzelano advised to the Muslims uh, living in Palestine that they should not sell off their lands just for material gains. Uh, and if they were to, uh, had the Muslim listened to this advice, I'm sure they would not have faced the problems they have faced in the in the in the coming decades. Mm. So this is this is one example I can think of that it was the foresight of the Muslim Ozzelano know that he saw that no, they should not do this thing otherwise it would be detrimental to their interests. The, and uh, Yes, yeah, just carry on. I was just saying that if people would listen to him, we wouldn't have this crisis in what we have right now. They wouldn't have to suffer this, definitely, 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 yes. Uh, another example I can think of is, in, again, the, coming back to the context of the Indian subcontinent, mm-hmm. um, so when you know that uh, as the Muslim Zilano, um, wholeheartedly supported the, uh, the Pakistan movement, and at that time, some of the Indian leadership, they approached him and they said that, okay, although we respect you a lot, You've got a very good vision and political understanding, but we are a bit surprised why you're supporting Pakistan. Because don't mm-hmm. you know that the non-Ahmadis will do the same treatment with you once Pakistan is formed, which they did with you in Afghanistan. So the Muslim Muslim gave a very beautiful answer. He said, I know it very well. In fact, one of my sermons in which I um, asked the community member to support the idea of Pakistan, I explained to them that what I'm seeing is that if I were to tell you what would happen to you in this country later on, uh, some of the faint-hearted people might uh, might be might be might become fainted, but who said that this is a question of not uh, of the rights of Ahmadis? Now the question is of Muslim and non-Muslim, because for Muslims it is good to have their own homeland. So therefore, and our death and life is with Muslims. So that is why we will we will knowingly we we know that we will have we might face hardships in Pakistan but we will still go ahead and support the idea of Pakistan. So that was, you know, that's only a big leader can do, that you can you can see that for greater objectives, you will yeah. have to sacrifice smaller things. But as far as the greater objectives are concerned, that is always should be kept in mind. And that was one of the great qualities of the Muslim Muslim We just mentioned that, uh, what you just mentioned is, I see that, this is my own opinion, I see in our today's leaders, the world leaders, I don't see these girls anymore. They won't sacrifice for the greater um, objective. Yes. They would go for their own um, uh, right. Yes, for, their, for their own, for their own ulterior motives and then for material yes, exactly. They will, yes. But this is so great that we have now, we have uh, the Muslim, the promised reformer, the second caliph of the Ahmadi Muslim community. Yes. We have his examples. We have always, we celebrate the day of the prophecy when he was prophesied the Messiah that he will be born and he will lead and he will do such great things. Now yes. you, to be honest, I want to come to your role as well. You have a high role in the community as well. And yes. I think maybe I can say that you are kind of leader as well, to be honest. Um, just for our listeners, if you can explain the role you have within the Ahmadi Muslim community. And from where, I mean, uh, how do you draw inspiration from the examples of other Muslim Muslims? Yeah. So currently I'm serving as the National Vice President of India Muslim Community UK. Mm-hmm. And uh, um, as far as the inspiration is concerned, or the, uh, well, in, in one sense, we are very, bl- we are very uh, blessed because the office bearers, we keep on receiving fresh guidance from Khulafai Ahmadiyya at all times. Mm-hmm. Um, so if, if I were to uh, refer to the Muslim Muslim, I know, he had 
has given the advice that hum to jis tarah bane kaam kiye jate hain aapke waqt mein silsila badnaam na ho that is we are doing our work in whatever manner we can but when the time comes it's your turn then this community should not be uh, badly reputed and uh, even the present huzur the hazrat mr khamis ayyad azhar bin nasr the fifth caliph of the amd muslim community he has at so many occasions given advice to the office bearers that we need to be humble and serve people again referring to one of the famous hadith of the holy prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam that sayyid al qaumi khadimuhum that the leaders of the country are the servants so mm-hmm. as long as we keep this in mind inshallah i think we will be able to serve jamaat and be become helpers of the khalif al masih ayyad al-talab bin nasr al-aziz this is actually very beautiful I mean, a reminder that we should stay always humble. Yeah. Uh, it's actually very good. I mean, this is something everyone should write it down and should keep it in front of himself. Um, uh, I mean, is it like this? Is this the inspiration you took uh, from the leadership uh, from the Muslim world, which you also apply in your daily life? I try my best. I try my best. Yeah. <laughs> uh, one of the things that we, I think, we can see in the life of the Muslim world, Jelano, that is extremely hardworking person. Uh, mm. I think in one of his speeches he explained his daily schedule what he what does he do all around the day and I can recall that by the time that the whole day passes it goes to 11 p.m. at uh, in the night time he said that at that time I get and start reading about books I go to my library mm-hmm. to in order to acquire further knowledge and then I keep on reading until I go to sleep see the whole day is spent and yet at that moment in time and people are typically they go to bed at that time he said though it's time for me to go to the library mm-hmm. so he was an extremely if you look at his life his achievements the the formation of the auxiliaries um, he had a vision that i think few people i, I don't think that because anyway it was a prophecy that he will be it's mentioned the prophecy that he will be a person of foresight he will be ulul azam so ulul azam khalifa i think these are the words that have been in the prophecy so and again if the 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 success of khulafas i think be following his example advice and uh, uh, all of them are think they are leading us in the in the promise messiah sallallahu alaihi wasallam so we are blessed basically we are very blessed people and going through a very blessed era in which we got fresh guidance continuous guidance from khulafaa and it all the time and i believe we are the only one who are so blessed to have a guidance whoever caliph who yes, can guide yes us. yes yes we are the only people in the whole world yeah who get guidance from someone who's appointed by god that nobody has no other community has has been blessed with the the blessing of khilafat this is actually very amazing i just want to say in the end also that um about a prophecy which was made about muslim about about the prof- uh, promise of form there are 52 qualities mentioned in the prophecy about the uh, muslim world about the, uh, the second caliph which he basically showed to the world as well and i think you will agree with me that not only uh, the people who lived in the surrounding were inspired by this but his inspiration went far to the west as well in great britain as well the people came also to visit him as well to yes. see him yes and uh, this is something i mean we should be very happy and i think there is one thing we should also um, be um, thankful to god uh, yes, for yes, that certainly. great prophecy and, and uh, i think um, i just want to say in the end uh, that this prophecy is a truthfulness for the promise of allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that he Definitely promised that he yes yes, yes. the prophet has, has, has himself mentioned it so many times that this is a prophecy uh, which in fact is uh, is a proof for the truth of the holy prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam because if you can recall the holy prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam himself had prophesied mm-hmm. that when the promise of Messiah Islam would come he would marry and have would have mm. children so even that yeah. means that the the marriage will be of a significant marriage and the children will be of special qualities 
And again, if you read this prophecy, the refutive quality that you already mentioned very briefly, each one of them is is, is amazing. Indeed. Um, Atal Gadusa, uh, thank you for your time. Truly, it was very inspiring listening to you, and I'm very grateful that you pointed out so many things, so many historical things from the second calendar, which we, especially the youngsters, I believe, even the elderly people, everyone can learn from that. So, Jazakallah, may Allah bless you for that. Thank you for joining me. Um, peace and blessings of Allah be upon you. That was uh, Ataul Qadus, Dr. Ataul Qadus. Um, really good interview, really enlightening stuff uh, conducted by our very own Imam Shahil Munir. Um, again, uh, thank you so much for... Uh, well, I'd like to thank uh, Dr. Ataul Qadus for taking his time out and uh, kind of um, imparting some you know, amazing pieces of uh, knowledge and um, historical references as well. To us, I'm pretty sure our listeners definitely engaged and benefited from this. Um, if we swiftly move on, uh, the, 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 this topic regarding uh, uh, the promised reformer and and also the, the, his, 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 his sense of leadership is very fascinating. I think the significance behind this should also be mentioned. Um, in 1886, the 20th of February, this was announced that the prophecy of the promised reformer was written down by the promised Messiah, uh, the Messiah, the Imam of the age, and he wrote this uh, in in Onam, uh, wrote it and uh, publicised this as well. And I think before we delve any any deeper, I think it's worth mentioning the prophecy itself. So now we'll be listening to the prophecy of the promised reformer. The divine revelation concerning the Muslim Aud. In the announcement of 20th of February, 1886, the promised Messiah, peace be upon him, says, God the merciful, the noble, the high, the exalted, who has power to do all that he wills, glory be to him and exalted be his name, has vouchsafed to me the following revelation. I confer upon you a sign of my mercy according to what you have begged of me. So I have heard your entreaties and have honoured your prayers with my acceptance through my mercy and made your journey a source of blessings for you. Therefore a sign of power, mercy, nearness is bestowed on you. A sign of grace and beneficence is awarded to you, and you are granted the key of success and victory. Peace on you, O victorious one. Thus did God speak so that those who desire life may be rescued from the grip of death, and those who are buried in the graves may come out of them, and so that the superiority of Islam and the dignity of God's word may become manifest unto the people, and so that truth may arrive with all its blessings and falsehood may flee with all its ills, and so that people may understand that I am the Lord of power, I do whatever I will, and so that they may believe that I am with you, and so that those who do not believe in God and deny and reject his religion and his book and his holy messenger Muhammad, the chosen one, وسلم, may be confronted with a clear sign and the way of the guilty ones may become manifest. Rejoice, therefore, that a handsome and pure boy will be bestowed on you. You will receive an unblemished youth who will be of your seed and will be of your progeny. A handsome and pure boy is coming as your guest. His name is Emmanuel and also Bashir. He has been invested with a spirit of holiness, and he is free from all impurity. He is the light of Allah. Blessed is he who comes from heaven. He will be accompanied by grace, which shall arrive with him. He will be characterized with grandeur, greatness, and wealth. 
He will come into the world and will heal many of their disorders through his messianic qualities and through the blessings of the spirit of holiness. He is the word of Allah, for Allah's mercy and honor have equipped him with the word of majesty. He will be extremely intelligent and perceptive and will be meek of heart and will be filled with secular and spiritual knowledge. He will convert three into four. Of this the meaning is not clear. It is Monday, a blessed day, sun, delight of the heart, high-ranking, noble, a manifestation of the first and the last, a manifestation of the true and the high, as if Allah has descended from heaven. His advent will be greatly blessed and will be a source of manifestation of divine majesty. Behold, a light comes, anointed by God with the perfume of his pleasure. We shall pour our spirit into him and he will be sheltered under the shadow of God. He will grow rapidly in stature and will be the means of procuring the release of those held in bondage. His fame will spread to the ends of the earth and peoples will be blessed through him. He will then be raised to his spiritual station in heaven. This is a matter decreed. Uh, welcome back. Uh, just You have just listened to the prophecy, the divine revelation um, bestowed upon the Prophet Messiah, the Imam of the time. And uh, beautifully, beautifully mentioned um, the, 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 the divine revelation. And uh, I think we can delve deeper into this topic of the Prophet's Reformer and the significance behind it. And as I mentioned before, you listen to the divine revelation. The significance behind or mentioning about this prophecy right now is because um, in 1886, the 20th, of February, this prophecy was written down and publicized everywhere. And it was, it was great pride that the promised Messiah, um, upon whom be peace, um, kind of expounded upon this point, and he had great firm faith that a child will be born bearing all of these attributes that you just listened to. Um, and uh, I, I think it's, it's, it would be good to listen to the early life of the promised reformer and if, uh, if if i can if i can request you brother awesome just to go through and uh, shed some light on uh, the early life of the promised reformer absolutely so hazrat mirza bashruddin mahmud ahmad may Allah be pleased with him uh, re- received his education in the district board primary school and later in 1898 in talimul islam high school where it started nevertheless in his student life he was never interested in routine book knowledge and could not succeed in the government entrance examination. This was the end of his formal education, which was not merely incidental, but a great miracle of the you know, the divine destiny. Incidents later proved that the Lord Almighty himself wanted to be his teacher. So thus the world witnessed that he not only had uh, spiritual knowledge, but his mm. insight into basic wisdom was so vast and deep that however learned a scholar armed with whatever worldly knowledge attacked Islam, he would prove to be a mere academic novice. Thus the, the fulfillment of the the divine revelation became manifest would abound in the wisdom of the explicit and the interesting. So in 1900, when Hazrat Mirza Bashruddin Mahmud Abad, may Allah be pleased with him, was 11 years old, he began wondering whether there was a God and why he believed in him. He said that even at that age, he pondered a great deal and eventually came to the certainty that God truly exists. He was overjoyed at his realization and prayed uh, never to have a doubt in God's existence. It was at that same age, Hazrat Muslimaud, uh, may Allah be pleased with him, wore a cloak of the promised Messiah and prayed prophecy. Later, when pondering over the truth of Abdi, he thought 
he taught that if God exists, that the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, is true. And if the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, is true, then so too is the Prophet Messiah, peace be upon him. Thus, if the Prophet Messiah, peace be upon him, is true, then Ahmadiyyat must be true as well. One night he was looking at the stars and thought that what is there beyond the stars? He came to the realization that there would be more stars. He kept asking what would be beyond that. Then coming to, to the same realization, he then came to the conclusion that if something like stars can seem to be continuous, then surely God is limitless. Thus, this was yet an, another example of how this child who did not uh, complete a formal education was filled with such thoughts and realization as a result of knowledge bestowed upon him by God himself. You know, fascinating stuff this. Uh, from very young age, he was questioning faith and he came to the realization of the existence of God and the truthfulness, not just of the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, but also the promised Messiah, Hazrat Mirza Ghulam Ahmad of Qadiyan, um, the Imam of the age. Um, again, beautiful stuff. I think if we kind of touch, we've kind of touched upon his early life now and and how he came into the came to the realization of the existence of God. If we touch upon, um, the, if we go deeper into the leadership role that he had to, that he had to take upon, like the mantle of Khalafat at the very young age of twenty five. If we if if we touch upon that as well, we have something to play for everyone to listen, and hopefully this will benefit our listeners as well. Yes, relating to the institution of Khilafat. Yes. And whereas Amadis are blessed with this institution, we see the blessings every day. But in the UK, we see um, other non Muslims starting the prints and leaflets about the Khilafat movement. Now, do you think um, other Muslims will ever be united on the question of leadership? It all depends on their understanding of Khilafat, what Khilafat is. If they're talking of that Khilafat which, is, uh, which follows a prophet of God then having denied the possibility of a prophet ever being sent by Allah, how can they believe in reinstituting Khilafat among themselves? Because Khilafat literally means resurgence or deputizing somebody. Deputizing whom? A prophet. So if there is no prophet at a certain cross-section of history and the Khilafat has come to an end before that, then how can you reconstitute Khilafat in the absence of the prophethood? It's impossible. If you choose a Khalifa, how can you convince all the Muslims belonging to different sects that this is the rightful Khalifa, follow him? What guarantee there would be that he is instituted, constituted, or I mean, uh, made a Khalifa by Allah Himself. No, no guarantee. So it's impossible for such movement to succeed. They have happened before in history with a greater zeal and uh, enthusiasm, like at the time of the Khilafat of Turkish uh, Ottoman Empire's Khilafat, when it was doctrine and coming to an end. A worldwide awakening was made among the people of Islam, particularly in India, whereby they were ready to offer every sacrifice to somehow 
dissociate the Khilafat in Turkey and to transfuse their own blood into that Khilafat. Hazrat Muslim over at that time told them, it's impossible, you can't do it. Khilafat comes from Allah. It's not a man-made thing. And if it is a man-made thing, it, the blessings attached to Khilafat will not be uh, enjoyed by you because there will be no such thing as, as, as blessings. But nobody listened, nobody heard. In fact, people, the non-Ahmadis, started taking their revenge against Hazrat Muslim Mao's words of wisdom from Ahmadis. Many Ahmadis were robbed, looted, their houses were burned, some were mortally injured because Hazrat Muslim Mao at that time warned the Muslims of India, don't waste your energy and time, you will uh, achieve nothing. And only you will be offering sacrifices in vain. Why? They wouldn't listen. So ultimately they sent a delegation to Turkey, to Kamal Ataturk. Is that, was it Kamal Ataturk at that time? Yes, yes, it was. It was quite right. Or Anwar Pashani, Kamal it was. And said, we offer the entire Indian Muslims, we offer ourselves as a body to work under you as the Khalifa of Islam. And accept this offer, we do it in all sincerity. We are ready for every sacrifice. He said, I kick this Khilafat out with the toe of my foot. <laughs> what is this Khilafat? I believe in Turkish nation. And I can't understand how this Khilafat can be made outside Turkey anyway. It has nothing to do with Turkey. Choose your own Khilafat if you like. But just get out. <laughs> and the way they return to the, their country, you know. Like they say, hell out of bat. Bat out of hell. But it was the other way around. It was bat into the hell. They had themselves had created unrest and chaos in the whole country. And they were so much ashamed at that, at that frustration. That was the time when the Arab world was also excited about it. Although not as much as Indian world, because the Arabs already had enough of Turkey. They didn't want to re-establish the Khilafat, which would in some other form begin to rule Arabia again. But enthusiasm ensured in India was momentous, absolutely. But it boiled down without any purpose. So this is what has happened. We have seen before, you know, many stickers all over the walls of in streets, streets of London and elsewhere. We read beautiful tapes which said Khilafat, Khilafat, Khilafat. And uh, what happened to that? It fizzled out like just nothing. Right? Peace and blessings be upon you all. You've just heard our, the fourth caliph of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community expounding upon the mantle of Khilafat and the different types of Khilafat that were in place before. And now we see the caliphate of the Prophet Messiah, the Ahmadiyyat, the, the true Islam, the caliphate that we possess and uh, we are truly guided uh, by um, someone who is divinely guided. 
Um, just touching upon in terms of um, the performance performer and his um, leadership skills and, and, and the attributes that he had as a leader, I mean, the question would be automatically posed, uh, well, what kind of attributes would you want in a leader? Well, one of the attributes that, or uh, one of the attributes or some of the attributes that um, the performance performer actually possessed was being courageous and being confident. You know, this kind of bravery that he had. So much so that, that the likes of uh, Sir George Bernard Shaw mentioned that if there's any religion that can win over or um, any land, any empire, wh- whether it's Europe, he mentioned Europe, if, if, any, if any religion can win over Europe, it would be Islam. Furthermore, someone who is intelligent, uh, so the, 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 the promised reformer, the second caliph of the Ahmadi Muslim community, Hazrat Mirza Bashiruddin Mahmud Ahmad, may Allah be pleased with him, he was very, very intelligent. And this was some someone so this individual did not have any um any worldly qualifications um, you know it's just, just amazing and yet he wrote so many books about so many different matters whether it's um the the concept of consciousness whether it's about plants and their relationship with other uh, other beings with other creations whether it's the connection and communion with god almighty you know great stuff was written so much so that I remember, um, I remember hearing, and this is this is more or less factual. That the, the library in um, in Rabwa, um, which is called um, Khilafat Library, if I'm not mistaken, um, there are books that have signatures of um, the Prophet's reformer, and each book that he has signed means that he's read these books. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, and 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 there's so many like different books like you have books from uh, the authors uh, like the uh, books authored by Sigmund Freud, you know, just random books, books about plants and people and just random stuff. And he used to wake up really early. Early hours he used to wake up. And there's a determination, another attribute of a good leader. He used to wake up in the early hours in the morning, maybe three o'clock, four o'clock, and he would just read and read and read. And he would learn and ex- just expunge all that knowledge that he has to gain. And again, as I mentioned, lo- wrote un plethora of books on the 200 odd books um amazing individual and i think uh, we've, we've we've kind of addressed this topic as well we are coming to the end of the show um i would like to thank uh, brother Asim for joining us we also have our brother in tech i really thank him as well for helping out uh, for helping us out we also have the producers um miss halima ahmed and respected saliha ahmed as well um, as, uh, as far as the researchers goes uh, we have uh, Waki Khan, Bariya Harun Serish Atiya uh, Afreen Masood so I thank all of them uh, may Allah bless them um, thank you so much for joining us um, respected Asim so what do you think my first day as Thursday breakfast show host do, do I pass do I, you pass absolutely uh, you pass no, thank you so much I really appreciate it um, uh, I, I think uh, I think we addressed uh, an, an array of topics we also had a lot of guests today um, we had uh, Do- Dr. Kevin we had Dr. Iqbal and we had uh, uh, we had Professor Daniel Matlock as well so um, and we also had respected uh, Ataul Kudusab uh, as well, um, who shed uh, light upon leadership and Khilafat and uh, the promise, promise reformer as well. So um, I think I think with that we we, we, we sign off. Um, we pray that you you are all well, and uh, with that uh, may the peace and blessings of Allah be upon you all.